think I remember listening to like a, now that's what I call music CDs a lot. <laughs> you know, I would listen like to the Backstreet Boys on there, NSYNC, like Britney Spears. I was like, oh, this is a bop. And then、uh, I remember like driving with my mom a lot and listening to Cisco, and that was cool. You, you know who Cisco is? I feel like I've heard the name, but I don't know、yeah. the names. Yeah, Thong Song and like Enter the Dragon. That was what I was listening to a lot of hip hop, like a lot of rap. And then when I started getting a little older, you know, I just kind of explored. I kind of listened to what my brothers liked. I didn't like what they were listening to. You know, they're listening to a lot of like Bay Area rap. I didn't get it at the time. <laughs> and, and you grew up in love, California, right? Yeah, yeah, San Diego. And I loved it, NorCal, but I was not understanding it for a while. <laughs> but、uh, so, you know, I listened to a lot of reggae. I listened to really anything that I could put on my iPod or that I found on my brother's iPod. But I listened to a lot of rap. I still remember listening to Eminem and like rapping the lyrics on it, and then getting in trouble because I wasn't supposed to say some of them because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand it. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I should have gotten in trouble for that. But、um, yeah, it's always been rap. Like rap has always been there, and a lot of like Lincoln Park when I was younger. Like、uh, when I never know how to pronounce an album name, but like、uh, Mitera Mitera Park. I remember listening to that in my dad's car when I would ride with him a lot, and I would just like that was when they had the lyrics on the CD case, so I'll just rap along and like sing along to it. I think that was a good time. So a lot of rap and a lot of rock. You know, I liked reggae occasionally, but I was like,、oh, this is so boring. It's like the same thing over and over. <laughs> and then like I get into a reg, I, I start singing in a reggae band in high school. I'm like, ah,、oh, it's ironic. So it's really been rap for the longest time. This is musicians can thrive, a podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry. Musicians, audio engineers, managers, producers, booking agents—everyone across all niches. Welcome. My name is Gabrielle. I'm a singer-songwriter. These stories are for you. I hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician. The first time I saw Yandi's name, it was the production credit of the debut single my friend R.C. McCree released in January 2020. At the time, R.C. was still a vague memory of a guy who I played a show with, and I remembered I liked his voice. So I tapped on the screen of my iPhone, turning on the volume. It was a great song. Percy's voice had this unique tone that it felt like every other track of the song was designed around. Immediately after listening to that song, I wanted to figure out how and where I could find this guy Yandi so I could meet him. I wanted to get to know who this talented producer was. When you strip away the hype and the social media filters, nearly every industry is built on relationships between different groups of people that know each other. Not everyone is on the same level of closeness, but those relationships become like a currency of trust that you can lean on when you're trying to find your own way into a group of people doing interesting things. For those of us in the music business, the interesting things we're doing tend to revolve around the creation, sharing, and promotion of music. But what does this have to do with how I learned about a producer named Yandi? Well. Years ago, I played a show with R.C. McCree, so we stayed in touch on Instagram. As time went on, R.C. and I befriended similar people in the Austin music scene. So when R.C. released his new single, it wasn't his post that told me about the release. One of our mutual friends helped promote the single, and then I went to check out R.C.'s page and listen to the song. After that, I paid attention to the production credits because I love the sound, and I thought. This was the kind of producer I might want to work with on my own music eventually. That's how I found out about Yandi, and it's why I started building a relationship with him. I admire the work Yandi is doing, both as a producer and as a rap artist. There's a maturity to his approach to building a career in music that makes him more resilient when unexpected hurdles like a pandemic come and disrupt our lives. I've had the pleasure of meeting with you 
in person before. And so we've talked about some of your musical experiences. And I have this memory of you talking about singing in choirs. I think it was in college, right? College and high school. Okay. So how does a mostly rap hip hop leaning boy find himself in choir? (laughs) I was actually, it actually happened. I was in theater and we were doing musicals and then some choir girls came in like, you should join choir. I'm like, of course I should. Yeah. (laughs) Cute girls (laughs) tell you do something. I'm like, yeah. All right. Like, I mean, I'm a freshman. I'm like, yeah, you're completely right. And so I join it, you know, I go to audition the next day and then they're like, Oh, do you want to be this one? This one? I said, which one's better? Like this one, I'm like, all right, that one, I guess. I have no idea. Yeah, that just kind of happened. That's dope. Yeah, I just loved it. You know, I, just, I love singing, so it worked mm-hmm. out. There's a bunch of girls in there, too, so that was cool. <laughs> Back when girls were, like, my top priority, you know, I was like, oh, sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, especially because in high school, like, it's hard to get that in, and so choir gave me that in. That's exactly right. <laughs> One of my favorite things about your music, actually, is how you have this wonderful understanding of melody, and you really use it so well. But also, I can definitely hear the Eminem influence when you start (laughs) rapping, because you just go ham. (laughs) They work well together. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I think uh, I like singers. You know, I think that's where it comes from. I just love, I love singers. Like, I love Frank Ocean. I like when Drake would sing. Like, I loved, just like, I like Maroon 5. I love Adam Levine, like, how he sings. Like, mm-hmm. they're just, I just love, like, good melodies, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think if I'm able, if I'm able to, create, like, try to write my own, like, that's cool. But, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. I like to say it's all purposeful, but, you know, they just kind of... <laughs> It's kind of <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you're just messing around with something or like a melody comes to you and then you mess around with something to find what will go with it. And Yeah. We don't have exactly. much control like, oh, over oh, that. Wait. <laughs> wait, guys. <laughs> We're on to something. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. <laughs> What's the sort of origin story of how you, I mean, that makes it sound kind of <laughs> official, but just how did you get to making your own music, whether it was rapping first or producing? Yeah. You know, in high school, when I was in choir, we'd have the showcases and I would always try to do a rap song and it was rarely chosen. I picked one. I actually got one that I wrote and it was a parody on I Love College and I wrote I Love Choir. <laughs> I think that's still floating around the internet. So do me a favor and don't go look at that. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I wrote, you know, I would write a lot of parodies of songs like, you know, like Weird Al would do. I would I would do it the same way. And then, I don't know, it just kind of switched when I met my friend Jay. He and I just started rapping one day and it just kind of took off from there. That's awesome. Yeah, that's when I was 15. Yeah, yeah. Dang, you started young. Yeah, I think like sometimes I like, see stories and I don't think I started young enough you know what I mean and it's like, oh. <laughs> if I'd only started playing piano like when I was eight oh my gosh right crazy or <laughs> like my dumbass mistake that I will continue to just kick myself for is I started playing guitar at eight but when I was eight through say 13 I didn't want to practice uh, I didn't want to learn scales or uh, bar chord like you know blues runs mm-hmm and so I just played my easy chords and I sang along and like, it was fine. I did a good performance, yeah. but now yeah, I don't have the technical now. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're paying for it. I was in band in middle school and I played drums. I didn't practice at all. I was able to like listen to it and play it, but I could never like practice. And so help me if I had practiced just a little bit. Oh my gosh. Right. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you've played drums here and there. You started rapping about 15. How did this evolve into you deciding music is what I want to build my life around? Mm. I think, you know, when I got to college, 
And I was by myself. I was in, uh, Jay didn't come with me to Chico. And I think, you know, then it was where I was kind of really tested. And, you know, I started, I was rapping. People were like, oh, hey, you're actually pretty good. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. And then I just kind of kept doing it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, let's try to do this. And so I just, you know, took it head on in college because it was really all I could think about. It's like every waking moment I wanted to write music. So that's what I did. And then just kind of turned into it. Mm, that sounds a bit familiar. Yeah. And you mentioned Chico. That's a place in mm. California where you went to college, right? It is. Yeah. Northern California, uh, okay. Chico State. Hell yeah. Shout out Chico. <laughs> and would you be willing to just tell the listeners about these shows that you put together while you were there? Because those yeah. are dope. Yeah, those were really fun. So, I don't know, maybe like my sophomore, junior year. My junior year, I started this collective up there called Underhouse. You know, I got it because I was making music out of the basement. And, you know, it was this group of people. It was uh, Jay was there too. And then we just started kind of doing some shows around town. And then I got this job at an art gallery. And, you know, I just took advantage of the opportunity to start throwing shows every single month, trying to do it every week, but you know, every single month. And it just got, it was just cool. You know, we brought artists up from LA, we'd get them from the Bay, they come up from Sacramento. And of course I'd always try to put on like our community there. You know, I really wanted everyone to kind of have the chance and the opportunity to like show what they're passionate about in their own art. So that was really cool. And then it's like kind of like a last hurrah. I threw this music festival one year. That was, that was sick. That was, that was awesome. How did you again, do that? Uh, I found a house and was like, you know what? We're going to have like a two day, like a full day, like event. So for the first half of the day, you know, we had rap, hip hop, and a band play in the front yard. And it was like this really cool, I had like a huge stage and we invited some people from Oregon. They came down. That was really cool. And then at night, that's when I brought all the electronic DJs out. And mm-hmm. in the back, they had a barn that transformed into like a dance club. So that's what we did. And that was really cool. One of the best memories I think I've ever had. I bet. Yeah. And then we threw one like in our living room too. That was, <laughs> that was sick. <laughs> that was just like so raw. Just like 50 people put into like a 20 foot living room. It was just sweet. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that was great. The sense of community and the joy that comes with being surrounded by a crowd of people enjoying live music together is one of the best things in the world. And not being able to have that experience as COVID makes its way through the world and we go in and out of quarantine trying to keep everyone safe really sucks. It's a necessary sacrifice, but still. No live stream can truly replace the magic of an in-person show. So, while we're all stuck at home, what if we explored a different kind of show? One that feels more intimate, more stripped back. Or one that feels bold and exciting, because it brings in virtual elements that might be too expensive for most independent artists to execute in person. Maybe you can do something on a small scale in a small physical space that is more difficult to pull off on a large venue stage. Some of the best things I saw in 2020 leveraged the relationships that different people have with each other. Partnering with your friends to design a live stream performance with a clear aesthetic gives your audience something that feels special, like it's worth skipping Netflix for. And if you're able to offer something like an exclusive Q&A call after the stream that your fans buy tickets for, That can help the live stream feel special, like a live show does, in a way that brings out the best of a virtual experience. One of the things I really love most about what I've learned from you and what you're doing, just as I've been like watching your own creative process in like the Mm -hmm. past year or so, is you really just want to be involved in music like you rap 
you sing, you produce your own music, but you also produce music for other people. And then with these shows that you put together, you're helping other artists get an audience. And I just think that's really awesome. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I think if you have like the tools to do it and the will, just do it. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's connect the dots between you making your own music and then at some point you started also thinking of yourself as a producer mm. for other people. So how did that evolution come? Let's see. So maybe like six years ago, maybe six or seven years ago, I started like producing and really what drove me to start doing that was I was just tired of ripping beats from YouTube and like paying for beats. I'm like, this is stupid. Like I'm just gonna learn how to do it. And so, you know, I put the time in and I started getting all right at it, you know, and then I was able to start rapping on my own beats. You know, it's, it's like uh, my friends, they kept it real with me. They're like, you know, you, you can do it, but like your beats aren't rappable yet. I'm like, all right, cool. So then, like I said, I put in the time to make it rappable and then I started rapping on my own stuff. And then, you know, it just kind of kept evolving. Mm. And, you know, I realized when I actually got to Austin, people initially thought, oh, this guy is like a producer. Cool. And, you know, at, at first I'm like, oh, do I really just want to be like labeled the producer? And then I'm like, you know what, producer like envelops so many elements of being an artist. So I'm going to do, I'm just going to ride and then I'll let my work show for itself. You know, mm. so, you know, that's kind of how I got connected with people like MC Righteous. You know, he was an engineer and I told him I went over there to record and then he's like, oh, do you like produce these? I'm like, yeah. And I think that was, you know, that gave me some credit, like right off the bat. I just kind of rode with it. <laughs> you know, I just kind of rocked. They're like, you're a producer. I said, OK. <laughs> I appreciate how you decided to take more of the show don't tell approach because I feel like so many times it's really easy for people to get caught up in what their quote mm -hmm. label is yeah I'm a victim of it too it's my own like demise like I tried to think like oh I don't want to be like a producer I want to be like a rap artist oh I just want to be a singer and then like I stopped you know I killed that part of my ego and I'm like you know what just do what you're going to do. People are going to call it different things. You know what you are. Roll with it. Just keep going. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the show curation promotion part of it, too, that you got to fit in there somewhere. Yeah. You know, with uh, COVID, that kind of killed my vibe this year. I had some ideas right. that were kind of, oh, my gosh. It, can't just, it made me retreat, but it's okay. I still got some ideas I'm going to, you know, work out here in the next year. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty excited for those. I bet. Well, personally, I'm looking forward to going to them too. <laughs> I'm so ready to go to a show. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I can't even tell you. I'm watching live, like just live concerts. Like oh, this isn't the same. <laughs> it's not like even Gosh. if you have a good um, sound system, it's you don't get to feed off of the crowd's energy. You don't yeah. get to directly watch the artist respond to the crowd. You don't get to feel exactly. that bass in your chest. Yeah. I'm not getting like elbowed in the face accidentally. <laughs> like my beer still like knocked. I'm like <laughs> someone just spill a drink on me, please. Just like do it. <laughs> Jeez. It sounds, Who would have thought that out. day would come? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. You wish for Jeez. a drink to get spilled on you. <laughs> exactly. Like I want some technical issues. Like at a show, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> oh it's a weird it's a weird thing that's developed and i feel like a lot of musicians <laughs> yeah i think one of the things that this has shown me more clearly than ever is that as wonderful as live shows are they can't be the primary source of income that musicians rely on because situations like this make everything like I cannot imagine how stressful it must be if 85 to 90 percent of your income if not all mm. of it comes from shows and then COVID hits and you're like well yeah fuck that's true <laughs> I think it's just putting it, it it may sound bad like I'm bashing it but you know it's putting all your eggs in one basket yeah you know what I mean 
I think every part of like being an artist, you know, live shows definitely has a huge part in it, but also it's like, there's so many other things you can do. You know, there's so many other things that you can put your talent and skills towards. And I think a lot of people uh, don't do that just because they don't have the resources. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I have a mic and I have an amp and I have a guitar, I can go out and play an open mic and I can get paid 50 bucks, you know, but now I'm in a studio. Now I'm, I'm in my, I'm in my house and do I have equipment? I am lucky to have equipment and have the ability to do multiple things. But I know that someone else is just like, oh, well, crap, man. Like, what am I supposed to do right now? Mm-hmm. It's hard. And it's too yeah. bad. Since we're on the topic of income, what would your ideal scenario look like between things like getting music synced for film, mm. maybe publishing royalties from mm-hmm. tracks that you've produced, just the whole enchilada of options out there? Yeah. What would like your ideal Let's life see. look like? Let's see. I'd really like, I wouldn't say, I do want to get like, you know, signed to a, a, a record label just because I know that I'll be able to do what they want me to do, you know, and like pull through as a successful product. You know, I don't think that's going to be for a long time because I ha- I love control, you know what I mean? And that's going to control my moves for a while, my direction, but I want to push this independent until... I really can't unless I get to a point where I said, okay, I either don't have the resources or I can't obtain them without signing a deal, like in advance, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not too fixated on like what I'm going to do as far as, you know, income goes. Right now, I'm just kind of working to create the best art possible and the most real, I'm really just trying to, uh, you know, kind of set my own current instead of falling into into the wave. Yeah. Once you were to get signed, do you imagine that you would want to continue producing and have that be an additional stream of what you're doing or putting shows yeah. together? Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to stop. You know what I mean? I really like what Odd Future did, you know, with the Odd Future like festival. I forget like, the exact name, but you know what I'm talking about. I actually like, don't. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's all right. They throw like this Odd Future Festival. Like it's just a huge music festival. Big names come out. And uh, Drake came out last time. <laughs> and people okay. booed. I'm like, I'm like all right, guys. Like, yeah. Like, all right, chill. Like y'all are so dumb. But like to build, to be able to bring that together would be awesome. I think Post Malone just did like a Post Malone Fest or something. Post Fest. <laughs> you know, it's like being able to just do that. I think I'm always going to have that kind of, uh, I don't even know what kind of spirit to call it, but I just love it. Mm-hmm. You know? I always want to provide like a platform if I have the resources. Yeah. And plus I love epicness. Like, you know, like <laughs> I love just like intense things. I love action movies, like with huge amount of action, like all the time. And I just, if I can make something just like crazy, you know, like, of course, we're going to have like a Ferris wheel there in like a place where people can, uh, oh, what's that called? When you jump off a bridge, but like you have rope on it. Like a bungee, bungee jump. jump? Yeah. I think that's crazy to just create that experience. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's what I like. Yeah. I think that's part of the biggest challenge that we have with covid right now is so much of the experience that an artist could create for their fans is off the table yeah most definitely it's definitely shifted right now and i feel like it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel but i I know it's going to clear up and i know everything will be fine eventually and festivals would be back up and i think it's tough it's foggy it's hard to see yeah what are some of your favorite live stream things that you've seen artists do? Man, I haven't been watching a lot of live streams, honestly. 
I watched a couple for like, some electronic people, like some DJs in San Francisco. I was a little sad and disappointed just because like I expected like a show, mm-hmm. you know, and they put a camera in their living room and spun some records and sung a little bit. I'm like, all right, that was weak. Like mm-hmm. yeah. it was so weak. And then, but I have a, I have a friend in LA, uh, he's a producer and he did a live stream. And this is why I love this guy. He's going to be a groomsman at my wedding. Actually, he went all out. Like he spent, I think he said like 60 hours working on this set. It's 40 minute set. And you could tell that he was there to put on a show. And that's exactly what I did. And I think when right now, when artists take advantage of the opportunities to just go all out, especially right now, like, I think it's the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been watching a lot of live streams. I did watch the Black Everything Matters live stream because mm-hmm. I was really intrigued by that. So that was cool. I appreciated the thought that they put into it, but I was a little disappointed with the quality of the videography of the actual performances. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you pre-recorded this. Why didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like... Come on now. Come on. on. Please. Exactly. They had these beautiful transition clips. Like I really, I loved it. The details Mm -hmm. of the show were well thought out and put together. Yeah. The performances themselves. I was like, man. Like, oh, you had it. Like you had it. so close. I know. It's it's a little disappointing. But, you know, it's, I think it's pretty new too. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, definitely to the scale. We've never seen it. Yeah, it's like, you know, before it was an option. Now it's like the only option Mm -hmm. for performing. So I get that. Yeah. Kind of, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. I want to just circle back to this idea of income and music, because that's really one of my... I mean, it's not like an obsession, but... I do think that still there are a shocking amount of people out there in this world that believe that if you decide to be an artist, whether you're, Mm -hmm. you know, the person on the front of the album cover singing everything, or you're the producer behind the scenes, or, you know, you're just a creator of something, there's this starving artist myth. You know, like, oh, you're just doomed to suffer and starve and struggle. Right. And that's really not the case anymore because there's so many different ways to make money. So I'm just wondering what your perspective is on this because I'm sure as someone who's put together shows, you know, you deal with artists who maybe don't feel comfortable asking to get paid or other Mm -hmm. artists who are like, I want a grand for like an hour set for this thing or whatever mm-hmm. so how have you experienced that as far as there being like options for income yeah and just like attitudes about it mm. well let's see as an artist i think there's a lot of opportunity now another one is another side of that is you know like if someone if i say say like a female artist Say I want to have them sing on a track and they tell me, well, it's going to be a hundred dollars for a hook. You know, I feel like, uh, I feel like just money, the money will just block so many opportunities. I hate it that so many people are just relying on this one thing to be their base income right out the gate. Mm -hmm. That's the problem I see. So many people want it now and they expect to be paid for it now when you know they're not pulling the numbers on anywhere you're not pulling numbers anywhere and people forget that part about it like this is a business you know there is a part there is a business side of this and if you're asking me for money you got to be giving me more than just this like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like this yeah. it, in my eyes it's like i don't i'm not going to pay you a hundred dollars to sing on something when you know you're still hitting a hundred plays everywhere that's the thing and as much as I want you on the song, I'm going to go find, I'm going to go dive into the sea of hundreds, probably hundreds of thousands of singers who will do this for free because they see the bigger picture and they just want to create the art. 
because they know that the money will eventually come. Yeah. I feel like it's the difference between people who have the mentality of I'm going to invest into creating this thing and building momentum around it, even if it means I have to have a day job for a while. Right. Right. Because, like, there's no shame in having that. It doesn't mean that you're any less of a creator. Yeah. You know, I think people will always shame that for whatever reason. They say, oh, you gave up. Or even just, like, you know, aside from income, like, the dream itself of becoming, you know, an artist, you know, a super, superstar or a renowned artist, whatever you want to call it. I think besides getting a day job, there's so many other ways that people think you're giving up or settling and that's Mm. frustrating too (laughs) yeah that's a different topic but as far as like the income goes if you're gonna make this your income you gotta work you know what i mean like you gotta be bringing it to the table like you tell someone it costs a thousand dollars to get a beat from you you better be one the quality must has to be there and it's already there if someone's asking you to make a beat in the next part, you got to be on your game. Like you got to, you got to work like you, you've been working, but even harder because now your reputation and your name is going into another web of a community. Like you got a lot online because if this, if, if you, if you don't pull it out, then you failed yourself and now you look like a yeah. chump <laughs> because <laughs> like, you're asking for a grand and then you give me like, I give you a $50, like, quality mm. effort and when i say effort i mean if you pay me a thousand dollars for something to create a song with you i'm gonna make this song pretty like 99 percent exactly what you want the one percent like i'm gonna tell you to trust me <laughs> but you know it's like i want to be there when you record it i want to hear it when it's mixed i want to produce it for you i want to be there through the whole process because i want this to be the best possible piece of art that we can make so it's the mutual investment and not just exactly pay me for this work exactly and i feel like a lot of people don't see that but it's okay i'm glad you pointed that out because it's an easily forgotten thing and although i've been making music for a long time i feel like because you are a producer you have that different experience where you are creating beats for people or producing a whole song mm-hmm. or you know asking someone to help you with something and so you really do have the big picture of how all these different pieces play together and when or if someone asks to get paid how that affects things yeah i think also it's it's good to be clear with your intentions and i think that definitely helps and sometimes i haven't done that and goes exactly how it should go but I think, you know, there's a song I wrote called Hold You. I love and... that song. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to play it right here just because you mentioned <laughs> it. <laughs> I hope you're ready. <laughs> I can't wait. In that one, I wrote that song, and my fiance had a friend in San Francisco who has a beautiful voice, Annie McGuire, and we sung it, and uh, she wrote it, and she came down to LA, and we recorded it LA, and I told her, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna try to get this song signed. That's what I wanna do with this, so if you're down, cool. And she, of course she was, you know? And I think having the intention there is very important, especially when you're working with another artist, Thankfully, you know, in our situation, we both just wanted to, we both just wanted to make the best art possible and that's all that mattered. And you could hear it in the song, you know what I mean? That was just the focus, the fact that I got signed, sick. And yeah, but the first part was just making the best song possible. 
We've made it about halfway through the show, and we're going to have a quick pause. Ads are irritating distractions, so they'll never be a part of the Musicians Can Thrive podcast. Thank you for listening. To make sure you get new episodes as soon as I release them, subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm so glad I get the honor of sharing these musicians' stories, and it would mean a lot if you would be willing to help me share them. Spotify has this awesome feature where you can share podcast episodes directly to Instagram stories. So if you're willing, tell your followers about your favorite episode. Last thing. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a quick review helps other musicians learn about Musicians Can Thrive. I appreciate your support. Back to the show. So how did you get it signed and where to? We got to so, go for, full circle now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I worked with this other producer named Subfer a little while back. And he's who kind of taught me that, you know, as far as getting like single song deals with, you know, smaller labels and independent labels. And when, once we got our sign, I'm like, oh, like this is cool. <laughs> like, I want more of this. And so, you know, I had that contact at that label. It was uh, called Wonderlust, and they had a sub-label called uh, X, like Hegemon, I believe. And, uh, you know, I just sent it to the A&R there two months, three months later. He's like, hey, this is great. Like, let's do it. All right. Sick. <laughs> you know, and that's just kind of how that happened. So for those who don't know, what is the point slash benefit of getting a single song deal with a label? Yeah. So, you know, when you think of, you know, getting a song signed with a label, you think, all right, I'm going to get paid. And yeah, that's true. Uh, You get a song published, you get paid. The main thing that I like about working on single song deals with labels is really the distribution. The web that they have, they can reach is just, it really showed me with you. That was a song I did with Sub for uh, hit like a million plays and I was just like wow this is incredible I don't even know how this can happen with the resources I have you know what I mean at that point I had no idea but then when I started to see how powerful the distribution can be for getting a single song deal that's when it really turned me on to the idea because I'm so I'm still in the beginning process of you know developing myself and letting people know like who Yandi is and so I want to spread it out as much as I can. <laughs> you know, if mm-hmm. I get paid for it, sick. Like, that's cool too. It sounds like the reach is the biggest benefit though. Ah, by far. Some people will say it's money, you know, but it's that's not as important to me as getting the reach, you know, getting into people's ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might have quite a few people hate me for this, but, <laughs> well, for what I'm about to say, because I grew up the daughter of an entrepreneur, I've been exposed to a lot of not startup ideas, but you know, if you're going to create something for yourself and mm-hmm. in that sphere, it's a business instead of a song or a photo or a film. And so there's this widely recognized understanding that you will inevitably have to give some things away for free or pretty much free in order to Mm -hmm. earn people's trust because Mm -hmm. there are so many options out there. Why would someone who has no personal affiliation with you, no previous relationship with your content and really no reason to go to your show or to pay to listen to this album that you created you have to earn their trust first and so the free content does that and then they become your customer and they buy your merch and they buy tickets to your shows and it just it feeds into each other definitely you know i think for myself i know my ego kind of got in my way of you know seeing the bigger picture of that idea you know it's shifted a little bit but i think as far as it's kind of situational for me you know like, you know, say Drake came and I sent him a beat. He's like, I want this beat. I'm like, okay. Like, I don't need the advance. Just like, give me a percentage. It's kind of like that. And then for someone else who I don't know, who like, or maybe I do know, you know, I'll give him something for free 
first. And then after that, you know, I'm like, hey, I got enough going on in my own life right now, my own plate, that if you want me to do this, I will need to be paid for this. Mm-hmm. So it's really contextual for me as far as like asking for money. So I definitely agree with you on giving away things for free. But I think, um, I mean, there's definitely the time and the place where money's called for. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like I think with shows, I would, man, I'm not going to ask for money until I know. And so I really know, like, I just want as many shows as possible. Don't pay me. I don't care. Give me a drink ticket. Give me a meal ticket. It does not matter to me. I just want to put myself in front of people and tell my story. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I think um, definitely a time and place. And But as far as that one goes, free shows all day. <laughs> well, you earn people's trust and you expose them to your name. Exactly. Exactly. So you really caught my attention a few minutes ago when you said that there are other ways that people can make these assumptions about, oh, you're giving up or you're maybe selling out or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I think, you know, my own personal experience, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting married next year and I never thought that that would be happening before I was 27, <laughs> you know what I mean? And for a long time, I myself thought, oh, well, that's just settling, you know, and that's just saying goodbye to all the dreams and everything I had planned, you know, like, oh, now I'm not going to get all the girls at the shows or all the parties or you know, be able to live my life the way I wanted to. And, you know, I, I, having past conversations with friends, that was always what we thought would happen. You know, mm. like you committed, you made a commitment to something else like marriage. And it's like, all right, well, you're done. Like, bye. Obviously I've <laughs> like grown over that. And I think it's just part of like what makes your story so unique, you know, mm-hmm. if people can view getting a wife as settling, you know, you want to, how you want to like get a wife and then just start your life. And it's like, that is so stereotypical. <laughs> like all these assumptions that settling is going to be happening, you know, or how people settle for a day job or people settle for uh, a wife or husband is mm-hmm. uh, it's all based on stereotypes. You know what I mean? That's definitely the thing that I think I had to beat myself and kind of block out as I was my life was developing. Yeah. You know, obviously, yeah, I have different commitments now, but you know, that's what happens when you grow older. (laughs) You can't stop life. You can't just stop like (laughs) living life. That's not how it goes. (laughs) That's definitely not. Yeah. And music is still a priority. So at the end of the day, that's all that matters. I'm still waking up like super early just so I could work on music because I know I, well, I, I have to do this. If I want it, this is the time I have right here because I got work at 930 and I'll get off to six. And if I want to do everything else, I think that's the biggest thing too. I think settling, settling is, you know, not using the time. It's, it's being okay with not using the time, how you should be using it, you know, or how you can be using it. I have all this time in the day and if I use it to play video games and uh, hang out with my fiance, that's fine. You know, that's cool. But that's not getting me to where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think prioritizing your time and creating the spaces for myself to create and progress is what keeps me away from, quote, settling. I resonate with that a lot, actually. I feel like, how do I put this? trying to not like sound judgy (laughs) (laughs) like one of the stereotypes that i've struggled with that actually all this quote quarantine stuff has really just made me be like (laughs) hey i'm chilling i hate wasting time Mm -hmm. and so if i'm not spending time with people or at an event that really energizes me and makes me excited to be there it's a waste of time because I could otherwise be spending that time writing a new song or editing a new podcast episode or, you know, 
taking a run or sleeping so that Mm -hmm. I can do other things better. And I feel like if you choose a day job that, you know, maybe it gives you crossover skills that can help you promote your music or music, or maybe it just introduces you to interesting people, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, like just be smart with how you use your time. Oh yeah. You know, it's like once I got my new job, you know, selling apartments, I'm like, all right, from nine 30 to six, I am selling apartments, (laughs) you know? Mm-hmm. Now, what am I doing after? What am I doing before? What am I doing on my days off? And, you know, you list it out and you have all these things you want to do. You know, you have things you want to do, things you should do, you know, and sometimes the things you should do kind of mesh with the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, part of that is, I think the commitments, like the commitments is what takes the biggest part of your day and you get to control your commitments. That's the thing. Like, you can control what you commit to and how you spend your day. Like, that's the biggest thing. And so, you know, I commit, I commit to my fiance, you know, I, and plus I like spending time with her. <laughs> like, right? It works out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's, she's one, one of the one things of the that energizes you. Yeah. I'm like, she's one of the people who like, I wouldn't, I don't mind like hanging out with, you know, watching three movies in a row with, because I love her and, you know, I'm still living life. I'm still taking it in because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I just, I, I'll write about it. I'll write about what's happening in my life. But yeah. yeah, as far as like wasting time, it's an interesting thing. I used to be super intense about that too. And I still am intense about it, <laughs> but <laughs> let's be real. Like, <laughs> but uh, I think I'm a little more open to it as far as you know i i have to experience life you know so i'm gonna go try something and who knows if it's gonna be worth my time i hope it's worth my time because i have an interest in it and i won't find out until i go yeah i think there's definitely something to be said for giving yourself space to be a musician a creator whatever you want to call yourself and also remember that you need space to be a human and have mm-hmm. experiences because without those things, you're just going to have the same like stale experiences to draw upon yes. to create something. Yes. That's exactly right. That's why like that, you know, that's, that's what was stopping me from, um, from getting married for a long time. You know, I had this, I feel like it was kind of an immature kind of mindset. Like, Oh, if I get married, like everything, everything I've worked for goes away. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Like, that's just part of life. I'm just living life. And if I want to get married, I'm going to get married. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what it is. And, you know, now I have a few songs written about marriage. And that's just like, that's a, that's a case in point. You know what I mean? It's living. It's going to make your life and your music richer. Yeah, Exactly. Well, I look forward to hearing those songs when you release them. Yeah, I've been recording a few of them in this last few weeks. So, you know, I'm in a recording stage right now. And over the next few months, they'll be coming out. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a good time. (laughs) Well, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to point out for other music people to consider? Or just if they already know, like, remember it? Yeah, trust yourself and, you know, pick a very select few people whose opinion you're going to always respect and will always be honest with you. You know, those that's how you grow. Mm-hmm. If you're asking everybody, you, you're going to get, you're done. Like, you're never going to get the answer. One, you're going to be looking for an answer if you're asking everybody. And two, you're just going to get so far in your head that you stop being you. And that does not help. <laughs> <laughs> that does not help. That that's, uh, messes up everything. <laughs> you'll stop. And you'll be like, you know, maybe I won't be a musician. Maybe I'll be like an astronaut. Start looking at math classes, and you know, it's like, what do I need to do to like learn to live on Mars? 
Yeah. Or like the one time I was like, I'll go into engineering (laughs) because that's a smart financial decision. (laughs) You know, I was freaking out one time and I gave into my anxiety and I spent like half a day just looking at the requirements for going to Mars. And oh my God, actually. Yeah, like I know what I have to do now. And then all of a sudden I like snapped out of it. I'm like, oh, oh, we're good. Like, we're good. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, those don't happen as much anymore, thankfully. You know, and I think I'm grateful for that just because I've kind of blocked out the noise. I've gotten this far by trusting my my ear and trusting what I do. So why would I even stop? Damn straight. Yeah. Other than that, you know, I think keep on keeping on. Great words of Joe Dirt. I got a few singles coming out in these next few months, like I was saying, a couple of videos. So I'm super excited about it. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on this. It was it's great. My absolute pleasure. Yeah. Before I let you go, where's the best place for listeners to find you and your music online? Man, I'm everywhere online. Like I'm on like Japanese Pandora too. So really anywhere you type in Yandi. <laughs> but Damn, you can hear. Son. <laughs> Yeah, you can hear all my music, read up on my blog, you know, all my releases on my website, mynameisyandi.com. Uh, there's my music. You can see some gallery shots of some of my last shows and some videos of my performances. Also, mm. we're going to be launching some merch on there, so I'm pretty excited. Mm. That's oh, yeah. important. Yeah. You know, of course, Instagram, my name is Yandi. Twitter, my name is Yandi. Facebook, you guessed it. My name and, is Yandi. And how do people spell Yandi? <laughs> As Y-A-N-D-I. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories and being willing to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Please check the show notes for links to find Yandi's music, social media, and all that fun stuff. One last thing before you go today. There are techniques, strategies, and routines that work best for different people. With that in mind, I encourage you to consider this. Many of the things Yandi shared I personally found helpful as I learned what kind of career I want to have as a musician and a creator, and what kind of life I'm building to support that. But there's one thing he said that's especially important. Be clear with people about your intentions when you start to work on something together. Whether it's writing a song, producing an album, or directing a music video, Clarity helps prevent misunderstandings that could put your project in jeopardy. Also, when you're direct with people about what's important to you, it helps them feel like they can be direct with you in return, and that usually leads to a more successful working relationship. When we don't feel like we need to assert control to make sure our needs are met, we can work together more collaboratively and let the best of our creativity come out. So that's my takeaway for you today. If it's not already a priority or something you're comfortable with, start getting in the habit of being clear.